So welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete. And I'm his favorite lady, Diane. Well, that's true, isn't it? So, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. Um, because we're both really big fans. And they're doing really well right now. And we just want to talk about how we came to be such great fans of them. That sounds good. So that'll be our topic for the day. But let's start off with what we're going to start off with all our podcasts. Sort of a wrap-up of the week. Now, we did something interesting this week um, that we briefly talked about in our first episode where we were talking about escape rooms. And uh, I mentioned to you about uh, playing this game called Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward. Yes, you did. And we played this on the little portable PlayStation, the PS Vita. Mm -hmm. And I thought it'd be fun just to hear what a non-gamer thinks of a video game about escape rooms. That's me. Um, Very interesting. I guess I came in with the idea that it would be like an escape room where you go in and automatically it's here's a room and you need to escape from it. Uh, But there's there's a backstory to this game, uh, which makes it interesting. So we had to get through the backstory first. Um, It did take a lot of time to get going, right? That's one of the things I noticed. Yeah, it did. And I liked the story once it got moving and we got beyond the intro because it was a lot of back and forth dialogue of these people don't really know each other and it's like, hey, hi. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, your name? Don't talk to me. They're not pregnant pauses. They're, there's probably a word for it in the voice acting community. They would probably know it. Uh, but it's like they make these noises and uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Oh. And you have to keep Pressing the button to get What do you get mean these? by that? Oh. Yeah. So a lot of these pauses back and forth where it's just like, can you just get to the point? Yeah. This true. is actually something that's, uh, it's very prevalent in, uh, well, video games especially, but it's really just, a, it's a Japanese thing actually, or it's more a localizing Japanese thing. It'd be interesting to hear maybe original Japanese if there's more nuances to their exchanges if there's a reason why that they have to sort of fill, because what happens is when it gets localized to North America mm-hmm. is they translate it and they bring in uh, English voice actors to fill in basically the lines of dialogue. Right. Yep. So maybe there is something going on between, uh, so they have four lines, let's say mm-hmm. you want to get to the fourth line where they actually say something, but the first three lines are just, uh, uh huh? What? Maybe there's something more nuanced to it. Uh, in the Japanese language that isn't quite traversing to our side. But it is, it's very interesting because you'll see that in anime, you'll see that in, uh, yeah, their video and in their uh, video games. Okay. So moving on. Uh, Yeah, so once we got past that and actually got into a bit of what the game was like, um, the first escape room was really interesting. You're just in one room and you have to look around. It's like the experience in person. You have to look around and find clues and uh, click on different objects. Um, to try and figure your way out of the room. Um, And there seems to be quite a complicated backstory to it. You're kind of trying to escape from these rooms, but there are also a bunch of other people that are also trying to escape from rooms, and you seem to be all being controlled or kidnapped or being confined by this evil anime rabbit. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure i've just kind of seen the intro of that whole backstory i'm not quite sure where that's going 
Yeah, it's uh, it adds that other survivor twist to it, I guess. Um, the the thing is, um, I think if you betray other people, you have the chance of getting more points, and ultimately, if you get enough points, you're able to leave this facility. It's the idea, right? Oh, I'm not going to do very well then because I don't like betraying people. Well, you can also work together. You'll get less points, uh-huh. and everyone will get. But it's like that sort of dynamic of... Uh, what it's like, like, could you imagine if we did these escape rooms in Toronto and they had said, you guys are all going to go into a room and vote for each other. If you choose to ally, you and whatever your friend are going to both get two points. But if you chose betray and she chose ally, you would get three points and she would lose points. Yeah, that so that, there's that dynamic. Nice. It's, it's that, but it's an interesting dynamic, especially because unlike all the friends that you went with to the escape room, mm-hmm. Uh, these characters, these very, they start off as very stereotypical Japanese trope characters, but they start to become more interesting as the game progresses. But some of them you really can't trust and you think they're going to betray me. So mm-hmm. I should betray them back and it adds a whole extra dy- dynamic to it. I see. So I need to play more to really get into that. Well, I guess that's my next question is, would you want to, or did you get your fill? Um, I like the escape room parts. It was just really hard to get through some of that story. Mm. Like it took a really long time. I felt like to get through that story. I mean, maybe in the beginning they're trying to explain all these rules of this ally betray business. Yeah. Um, so maybe once we have that down, I don't need to go through all of that, um, dialogue to figure all that out. And we can just kind of progress to the next thing. Like here's the escape room. Now we're going to vote. Yeah, and move through it a little bit quicker. So it's it's yeah it, the the genre is like an escape room murder mystery because there's also mm-hmm. people dying. Yeah, and uh, visual novel is also what it's called. So there is a lot of reading. Um, I will tell you that it's one of my favorite games on the platform because the story becomes absolutely incredible. It's nothing that I'd seen before in any medium. So. If you can get past the bit of a slow beginning, I would say it's well worth it. But of course, it's entirely up to you. Well, we'll see if I'm in the mood for for that kind of thing later. Sometimes and I just like to watch things audio without yeah. me having to hit these buttons to get the dialogue to go. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, you know, control-wise, I'm not super familiar with um, using a Vita or... Uh, using all the different buttons to get mm-hmm. things to go. And it's pretty easy to use. You know, you're walking around, you can zoom in, zoom out. Um, I was kind of getting the hang of that pretty quickly, whereas other games I feel like are much more complicated and I don't pick it up very quickly. Um, yeah. And also, bonus, I didn't get motion sick. So yeah, I could uh, carry on without any discomfort. I wonder if it's an advantage with a smaller screen. I don't know. Maybe. It could be. Like, you, you get motion sick for 3D movies. Yep. You'll get motion sick whenever they do, like, those big panoramas in the big movie. Yep. So I think that's a, about a large, something about having a large And space maybe, movie. like, yeah, my body feeling like it's in this large space and yeah. then it's going off, off balance. Yeah, like, VR will definitely destroy you. Oh, yeah, no. There's We're no not. way that'll ever happen. Yeah. There are bits of technology <laughs> that I will just not be participating in because <laughs> it's not fun. We might have to try it for just for four minutes one time just to see sure. as a podcast conversation that might be interesting because I'm really oh curious about it too. 
Anyway, uh, any other thoughts on this or shall we move on? Um, I think that's, that basically covers it so far. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that sort of was happening recently with us is we've been watching a lot of movies together and a lot of them have been uh, comic book hero movies. We saw Deadpool recently. Yep. Um, we saw Ant-Man on Netflix. It was oh, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I was wondering maybe that might be a topic. Maybe we'll bring that in next time. Superhero movies, because it seems sure. like there's a lot of them now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And it's definitely got a history. So I think I'll make that my topic next time. So we'll stay tuned. Ooh, on excellent. That. Okay. Looking forward to it. So topic today. The Raptors. What are we going to say? Uh, well, I thought it would be interesting uh, just to talk about, you know, how we became fans of the Raptors, because I knew they existed, of course, uh, growing up. They were established in 1995. Um, but I didn't I remember it well, um, but I didn't really like gravitate towards them or it just wasn't something, um, that I really watched. Um, and I think that's partially because in my household, we're a big hockey household and the basketball and hockey seasons run at the same time. Uh, so we watched a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs, right. uh, consistently. And I think it was also just, I understood the game of hockey, uh, because I had watched it. My brother played it. I could kind of grasp the rules, but nobody really played basketball uh, in my family that I could watch regularly. And I didn't really understand sort of the strategy um, around it. I I, like understood generally what the rules were and how to score uh, points, baskets. Um, But it just wasn't something that I really understood or really had exposure to. Um, So I didn't really appreciate what I was watching. Well, well, that makes complete sense because... As far as Canada goes, and certainly Toronto, the exposure to NBA was um, pretty much impossible during that time period. I do remember hearing, and it was a big deal in 1995. Um, I was also a lot older than you, so I don't know how many seven-year-olds get excited about a new team in Toronto, right? So that wouldn't really happen for you, but Mm -hmm. I think I was 15, 16 at the time, and uh, it was really exciting because it's like finally it's opening up the possibility of seeing basketball. Uh, I always was really okay. into basketball ever since, um, I guess, my dad put up the net in the driveway. It's just something really, I gravitated towards it. Had friends over. We kind of built our own league for a while. Okay. With our own little made-up teams. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older, I did uh, like a basketball camp. Played uh, in a league in high school. So I just really got into it. And then, yeah, once... Uh, once 95 came around, it's like we're announcing two teams in Canada. It was Vancouver and Toronto. And it was like, okay. this is exciting because, you know, I had heard about Michael Jordan because he was a pretty huge celebrity in the, yep. in the 90s, but I'd never seen him play. Like, there was no way to see NBA unless you had a really rich friend who had sports cable or whatever it was. And, you know, cable back then is not like what it is now, like, it was super expensive, and it was only, like, a select few that would have it. Hmm, okay. And, you know, there was no internet. Yeah, was, and otherwise you'd have to drive down to the States and somehow see a game. Yeah, exactly. So it was very in non-inclusive, so I could totally see why you wouldn't have that. So there's just some kind of spark and interest in the sport that brought me in. And uh, uh, even the first year or two 95 I don't I don't know who was on the team at the beginning I didn't really follow them it was just exciting that basketball had come to Canada Mm -hmm. and that possibility was there Mm -hmm. 
Very cool. Um, and that's really interesting because when I really started to um, appreciate basketball was when I played one year in high school. I actually was uh, recruited to the high school team because um, I was an endurance runner and they needed an extra point guard. And I'm five foot two, so generally that's probably the only position I could play, <laughs> stature-wise. Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what grade are you talking? Grade 12, like my final year of high school. Okay, I guess everyone's fully grown then. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's when I really started to learn the game, learn some strategy, um, and appreciate it more when I saw a professional player uh, playing the game. Um, so I started to, you know, understand it a bit more. Um, a point guard is supposed to, they're almost like the team captain. They're supposed to call a lot of plays. They're supposed to set up plays. They sort of work in tandem with the coach and, uh, yeah, just making good mm -hmm. offensive and defensive strategy work. So was there any of that when you were playing? Um, yeah, we definitely had a playbook. Uh -huh. Um, and certainly there were other point guards who were able to take more of a leadership role Okay, where I was this there. I think I was there to just kind of bolster the, the roster and right. Yeah. Back up uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't in the starting lineup. Uh, no, certainly not. Not the beginning. <laughs> um, but, and I always remember this gym teacher for coming up to me and being like, look, I want you on this basketball team. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> that seems like such a ridiculous idea, but yeah. I did it. And were you the yeah, tiniest was... person in your high school? In my whole high school? No. no. I mean, there were people that were about my size, but I was definitely considered short. Okay. I always think I'm, so, I'm short. I know. It seems like every so. day, though, you feel like you're the smallest person in Toronto. And uh, then every once usually. in a while, we'll meet someone who's way tinier, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, generally speaking, I'm you, pretty small. you relate to the small crowd. But I have good, good cardiovascular fitness, so I think that's what... This so coach guys comes up and says, hey, you, you got good cardiovascular fitness. You want to be my point guard? And you're like, huh? <laughs> I'm going to learn about health and make that my career. Um, yeah. So started to follow it a little bit. And then maybe, uh, you know, go to university, um, meet you, and you're a big basketball fan. And I'm starting to watch more of it. And we're trying to think of things that we can do together and... I'm athletic and like watching sports and basketball is something that you liked. So I'm like, Hey, we could watch this together. We could comment on it. We can go see games. Yeah. And so that yeah. kind of, that kind of happened. I think it happened at the same time because like I was saying before, I didn't really follow the Raptors. There mm -hmm. was a period in time. I wish I knew the years, but the Vince Carter years mm. when that mm -hmm. guy started on the team, that's when I really got interested. And actually, the city itself, the city of Toronto, uh, the Raptors suddenly became a profitable team. People were buying tickets. Mm -hmm. um, and we really owe a lot to him for what he brought the team because uh, previous to him being on the team, no one wanted to play for the Raptors. They wouldn't even show up for games. They, we would sign people and they just wouldn't come. They're like, I'm not coming to Canada. You screw that. And I don't know mm -hmm. how this contract breaking was allowed in the nba i don't know if there's some like just early prejudice about our two countries but yeah it was it was a disaster uh, i was reading some history on on the topic i don't know if we're going to get into that later but uh it was really fascinating to see 
how much it was struggling as a team. And the same thing happened with Vancouver, but the difference mm-hmm. is Vancouver didn't have a Vince Carter to really draw in the crowd and make it okay yeah. to be in, in Toronto. Toronto playing basketball. Um, and when uh, when he was there with uh, Alvin Williams and uh, well, who else was on that team? Oh, Jesus, so long ago. <laughs> There's like three different Williams. There's a Jerome, Alvin, someone else, Vince Carter, Mo Pete, mm-hmm. some classics. Um, they weren't winning a lot of games, but uh, Vince was just so fun to watch. Yeah. He was... Uh, just so much athleticism and uh you know they would make the comparisons to jordan and certainly with his his style he was right up there with them but maybe not as um uh good at uh coming up with strategies or working with the whole team but uh very dynamic to watch. I thought he was fantastic. And I think we give him way too much of a hard time. <laughs> and that was about the time when he did those slam dunk competitions. Oh, yeah. Too. And really. Dominated. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. They still talk about that. Yeah. He's still on highlight reels. Yeah. Highlight reels for those. So Very now cool. we come to, uh, you know, the 2015, 2016 season. And if I can bring up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I want to bring up the current stats. So we're at 44 wins, 20 losses. Uh, we're right behind Cleveland uh, in the Eastern Conference. Um, comparatively to the Western Conference, uh, Golden State is currently at 59 wins and six losses. Um, and we're about where Oklahoma City is, 44 wins, 22 losses. What position is Oklahoma in the West? Uh, third. Okay, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, like when, uh, when I was watching it a lot, like in the Vince Carter period, there would be five or six teams uh, in the top eight going into playoffs with like losing seasons. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then the West, they would have the top eight, mm-hmm. and then like three or four more teams would have winning seasons, and those three or four winning teams in the West wouldn't make the playoffs just because wow. they're in the okay. Western side, and they'd have way better records than like the third place in the East. Wow! So there used to be these monikers about the West is the best. And uh, it was true. I don't know what it was, but it hmm. seems like this year, more than others, it's much more even. More across. balanced? Yeah, balanced. That's interesting how that... I mean, the pattern is still... It's still there. It's not mm-hmm. as uh, not as big a difference, but it still exists. I don't know what that is. Is it like just the nicer weather or... Yeah, but it's east and west. It's not north versus south. You still That's have, true. You still have nice weather in Florida. I guess. So... I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. But uh, anyways, we seem to be uh, playing well. DeMar DeRozan just had a really excellent game against the Miami Heat. We won in overtime. Kyle Lowry has been putting up really good numbers. And just, you know, other players on the team too. Valanchunas, mm-hmm. uh, Scola, mm-hmm. Corey Joseph when he gets put in. Yeah, and this is the other big difference from the Vince Carter era is uh, – Vince was great, but he didn't have a team to back him up. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like our current team is a real team. Like, they're, if anyone's down, someone else will pick up and uh, fill that hole. We'll get the points that we need. Or there's a lot of passing. There's a lot of assists. It'd be really interesting to see their, how they uh, rank in the league for assists because it seems like they're a giving team mm. um, much more than 
Like as much as we say our star is uh, Lowry or our star is DeRozan, mm-hmm. it's not the same as like Kobe back in the day on LA Lakers, who was like, I'm doing all the points. He would have like yeah. 50 point games or even mm-hmm. LeBron on his team. It's very different. That mentality of where you have your one superstar and he does all the scores and it's like, watch him, watch him do his cool tricks mm-hmm. and get all the points. Yeah. Ours is playing, we're playing much more like, I mean, yeah, we have some cool highlight reels from now and then, but uh, it seems like we have a lot of, I don't know, eight players instead of one 10 yeah. out of 10 player and then a bunch of threes mm-hmm. trying to back them up. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think this holds for, you know, our playoff, playoff chances and playoff play? Well, I hope it's good because they were, they had a great record last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was as good as this year, but mm-hmm. they had a one of the best, if not the best, for their franchise mm-hmm. last year, and they just got immediately destroyed, like yeah. for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were a younger team with a lot of energy, mm-hmm. but maybe not a lot of experience, and I'm hoping... I mean, if the wins are saying anything and they're winning against some really hard teams, yep. I'd like to see them at least get into a second round again. Yeah, I think we, that would be really great. We haven't had that since Vince. Mm-hmm. We need to do that again. Yeah, and it would be so good for the fans. Like, they are outside the ACC on home games, Yeah, watching those playoff games. And it's so cool to see a city come together behind their team. Absolutely. And it's nice to have a, a team in Toronto that's not losing all the time. It is nice, yeah. That uh, you can have fandom for it, and it's uh, it's warranted. Yes. They deserve it. <laughs> I applaud that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We'll talk about the Leafs some other time. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm a fan, <laughs> but man, it can be hard. <laughs> Very hard. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about all I wanted to cover with the Raptors. Yeah, that's good. We got a lot of history out of it, and uh, yeah, just general thoughts of the sports. If you had a kid, mm-hmm. if we had a kid, let's mm-hmm. hope it was both of us, um, what would you do for the sports angle? I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, that's interesting because growing up, um, we didn't really go to, well, I never went to a Raptors game or a Leafs game. Um, we may have gone to a Blue Jays game. Um but not too much kind of professional sporting events. Watched it a lot on TV. Um, I would love to take a kid to one of those games because I think it's such a fun atmosphere mm-hmm. um, to show them and have them participate in. Expensive, though. It is expensive, yeah. And when it's, you know, a young kid, are they really appreciating everything that they're getting out of it? I also, like, they have those Junior Jays game days mm-hmm. or family days with the Raptors. And, like, I appreciate bring them in but i know in the back of my mind that it's also a bit of a marketing ploy and a bit of you know getting them when they're young getting them when they're young if they're gonna if they're a fan when they're five they're gonna be a fan when they're an adult um so that kind yeah. of like irks me a bit but oh, also kind of because i mean i know it's a business but it just feels like oh they're just taking advantage of these kids but at the same time when a kid gets to run the actual bases that the Blue Jays run, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, I wouldn't want, I would want my kid to experience how cool that is. So when I was young, uh, my mom did take us to Blue Jays games. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we actually got out of school a couple times to see them. And this was, oh, uh, nice. I think, the year with Joe Carter and where they ended up winning. So around like 92, 93, 94. Yeah. And uh, one would think that given that year mm-hmm. and the performance of that team yeah. and me being the right age to have everything be really exciting and, uh, I don't know, influence my mind into yeah, and what my future is going to yeah. be. You would think that that would have all of the pieces in place for me to become a Blue Jays fan for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I don't care at all. Uh-huh. I don't even know who's on our team. I don't know anything about it. I haven't watched a Blue Jays game since probably 94. Really? And even with the the hype last year of them in the playoffs? I didn't, I didn't even know they were in the playoffs. Seriously, I didn't. I mean, you kind of knew because we had that oh, neighbor yeah, I saw, downstairs. I saw that one really game. Loud. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about it. Oh, okay. Is it just because you don't like the sport of baseball? Yeah, so it didn't it didn't capture me. Okay. And uh, we, well, I also played baseball as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, me and my brother, we did it. I actually I didn't really like it, so maybe it's just that. Maybe mm-hmm. it just goes back to I didn't really latch onto it as a kid. So I guess I'm not latching onto it as an adult. I mean, that's fair. You have to enjoy the sport too. So this is actually where I was trying to get at with my question is when, if you and I have a child, mm-hmm. how, how would you introduce sports to them? Like not as a watching, but also as a playing, like what, what would you do with oh. our kid? Um, well, I just think like, um, I think back to my upbringing, you know, we were put in swimming lessons probably first off the bat so that we knew how to oh, swim yeah. and wouldn't drown. Yeah, I hated those. Uh, that's an important, it's an important skill though. It is. Um, especially when you have cottage or you're going to lakes. Yeah. If you live in Ontario, you, yep. need, you need to know how to swim. It's good. Um, and then, you know, I was just kind of exposed to things. Um, like we had a little basketball net in our house. Um, I played soccer as a kid cause a friend played soccer. Um, I learned how to skate. I feel like my parents just kind of introduced me to things gradually and I would kind of pick what I liked and what I wanted to do. So I feel like that's how I'll kind of do it. You know, different balls, a Frisbee, kind of teach them different skills and see what they like to do. That's right. So you, you've you moved to Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you started hockey too mm-hmm. um, just recently, like within the last two years, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, it's so but, much fun. But you, I would say as a youth, you gravitated towards Frisbee as your sport, right? Um, I actually, I played a lot of soccer growing up. I played about right. 10 years of soccer. Um, and it was only like when I was um, probably like 15 in high school that I really started to pick up Frisbee and yeah. really latched onto that. But you can kind enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a good pun. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can argue that that it's kind of a good transition soccer to frisbee i mean you're running on the same fields Mm -hmm. it's a lot of running back and forth it is and i found i played a lot of co-ed soccer um and frisbee is co-ed as well and i think i feel that my role in frisbee as a lady on a co-ed team is much more appreciated than maybe a lady on a co-ed team in soccer yeah now that just may be because of the types of players i was playing with yeah. uh, when playing with soccer versus the people that i've met playing uh frisbee but it just it was enjoyable i picked it up pretty quickly i learned the throws and again i had the cardiovascular <laughs> fitness to be able to run the length of the field right um, and it's just, it's fun. So I imagine a reason why soccer is so popular with 
kids is it's it's probably not that expensive for parents to enroll them because all they need are some shoes, right? Yeah, and it's um, like it's just pick up and go. Like, cool, we'll just throw our bags down. There's a net. Yeah. Let's grab some people and let's play some soccer. Yeah, and the nets are already built into the field, so you don't even need to like bring yep, your own. Yeah, or they're built into the field. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if if uh, Frisbee is now like ultimate, I wonder if that's uh, taking over now as a new kid option because that's like a relatively new sport. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's now picking up as a option for kids because that'd be pretty wild. You have your kid I feel do like that. it's starting to pick up a lot more because, um, you know, if a parent plays a sport and their kid watches their parent play or their parent introduces it to them early and they like it, then they tend to, um, I don't know, pick it up or try it out too i also i feel like i see some kids who not all their friends know what ultimate frisbee is so they're playing other sports Mm. uh, like maybe softball or soccer so they want to play those sports because that was what their friends are playing yeah um so i feel like you know it's starting to grow a lot in that younger population so we will find Um, out when the time comes and where neighborhood we're in and there's all these factors that'll come together i mean really i just want to encourage um kids to be active Yes. Um, and healthy and get outside. So whichever shape or form that takes, do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys should all go outside and run around and pick up a sport. I think it's good for adults to get involved with leagues too. It's a nice, it's nice socially as well. Yeah. 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 Especially if you're, you know, you don't like the dating scene. That's a, it's a good way to just get yourself out there. No, seriously, like get yourself, uh, into a social situation where it's comfortable to start even just discussing with other adults and mm-hmm. working on that skill set so it's not so awkward every time you meet someone new. And it is, you know, we've hit uh, double digits temperature-wise recently, uh, yeah. so it's a good time to get out there and start thinking about spring and summer activities outside. Absolutely. So I feel like we've covered we, everything we yeah. need to cover. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have a couple new things to mention. We now have a website. It's ordinaryday.ca. You can check us out there. It's just a splash page, but it'll uh, be a good way for you to tell other people about the podcast, having them a way to sign up for it. Um, we do have an email if you want to send us any topic ideas or any thoughts on some of the topics we've been talking about. You can reach us at ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Good job put you on the spot thanks i was like oh did, put podcast in <laughs> did that you email? remember yes yes, you, yes did. you did yes so that's where you can check it out uh lastly we want to thank field processor for our intro and outro music you can check them out at fieldprocessor.com anything else i think that's about it although i did get a comment from a lab mate today she really enjoys uh your Katy perry uh remix field oh. processor remix which is right now on youtube uh, so if you guys are curious, you should check it out because they do Absolutely. a really good job. Yeah, check that out. Field Processor mm-hmm. doing a Katy Perry cover uh, live request on one of their streams. Um, and that is all. And that is all. So until next time, take one more for the road. <laughs>